hello, hello, and welcome back to the SLP Corner Podcast. I am doing a solo episode this week. It's been a while. I wanted to do a combination of solo episodes and guest episodes, but I think I've come to terms with the fact that (laughs) it's going to be chunks of solo episodes and it's going to be chunks of guest episodes because apparently that's just the way I like to do it around here. So um, I did a poll before on what you guys like the best and it was pretty much 50-50. I find like SLPs tend to like guests and grad students and SLPs to be seem to really like the solo episodes so I really want to try and um, make sure we have a little bit of everything for everyone so before we get started I would really appreciate if everyone could rate and review the podcast I know I've asked this before and it's so nice to see your feedback and everything and if you rate and review this week if you send a screenshot and dm me your review We can have a little chat in our DMs. If you're a grad student, you can ask me anything, any pieces of advice, anything you're wondering, um, and we can have a little conversation. Sometimes it's like a little overwhelming to get into my DMs, but if you are liking the podcast and you rate and review it and you send me a screenshot, I'm going to make sure to put some time aside to chat with you because I know that you're putting aside time each week to listen to the podcast and it would mean a lot for me if you could rate and review it. So then I'll put some time aside for you and we can have a little chat about anything you're wondering or any questions you might have. So this week I completed my peers certification. So I was really excited about that. You may have already listened to the podcast I did with my coworker, Paulina. She is certified in peers and she came on the podcast and we talked all about the evidence behind it, the populations you can work with when you're certified in peers. And we just really dove into those topics and they were really popular. So I thought that since I've now completed my training, I could share some things I learned. So for anyone who's unfamiliar with peers, in case you haven't listened to those episodes, I think that it would be worth your while to listen to those episodes first. So I'm going to put them in the description below. You can just click on those and um, just give them a listen. There's a part one and a part two, but basically peers is it stands for the program for the education and enrichment of relational skills essentially peers is a program to help teens on the spectrum or teens really anyone they it's it's often thought of as teens on the spectrum but it can really be for fetal alcohol syndrome or it can be for just basically anyone who's really needing some skills in helping them make friends and there's just so many There's so much that I loved about it. It was so interesting. I really liked it. And I felt like it was kind of interesting because since I got to chat with Paulina in depth about peers, I felt like a lot of it was familiar. So it was kind of exciting to make those connections, like so many keywords and buzzwords they have, like friendship is a choice. And they talk a lot about how you can, you can do a lot of, when you're trying to make friends, like certain behaviors might be risky to make a friend. So maybe you're going to want to avoid that. And I don't know, it was just really interesting. I, I highly recommend it for anyone who is wanting to further their certifications. I, I found it really interesting and I just really enjoyed it. I already took a lot. I had a session right after on the days that I had training and I was already using a lot of the things I was learning. So it was kind of nice. Since I've already talked to Paulina in depth about it, and there's a part one, part two, I don't want to kind of like beat a dead horse, for lack of better words, but I do want to talk about some things I learned, and I'm hoping that these are kind of new pieces of information, and I kind of thought that this would kind of just be like common questions we might get as SLPs, and now we'll have a little bit more information on how to answer these. So even though like there was just so much that I learned and everything since it was covered, I'm just going to kind of cover three main questions okay 
So question number one, why can it be so common for children on the spectrum to struggle with making friends? Essentially, the answer to this is that they struggle with having two-way conversations. And if you can't trade information and find a common interest with someone, you're going to have a hard time making friends because common interests, things you have in common with people, that's the foundation of friendship. So the reason why they have a hard time with two-way conversations isn't because they're not interested in talking to someone else. It's not because they don't want to make friends. It's not because they don't care. It's just that they aren't sure what to talk about. So when you're not sure what to talk about, you end up talking about what you know best, which is their interest. So that's why so often you might see a teen on the spectrum or a kid on the spectrum talking a lot about something that's highly, highly interesting to them. So like maybe, maybe a video game or maybe something like um, space, outer space, things like that. And they're talking a lot about it. And it's not because they don't care about anything you have to say. It's not because they don't care about your interests. It's that they don't know what to talk about. They're not sure. So they're like, okay, the thing that I know best is my interest and then it ends up being a one-way conversation and when you're only talking about your own interest it's really hard to make friends so i just thought this was really interesting and i think that it's something we might come across as slps so often our parents might be wondering like why is my kid always talking about their interest it's not that they don't care it's not that they're not interested in other people it's that they don't have the tools yet and a lot of these like a lot of pieces of conversation some people might learn indirectly but a lot of the times it needs to be explicitly taught so if you can't have a two-way conversation you're gonna have a hard time finding a common interest and if you're gonna have a hard time finding a common interest you're gonna have a hard time making friends and just one more thing that the speaker said which i thought was just kind of tied it all in together and she was like there's a reason for so much anxiety and depression in in children and teens with ASD. And the reason for all the anxiety and depression we're seeing is loneliness. So it just started off the program or the training on a note where it all made sense. It's like the goal here is to try and help them make friends. And if you're gonna make friends, you need to be able to have conversations with people and get to know them. So that was the first thing I wanted to share with you. I really, I thought that was really interesting and I really liked how um, the speaker explained all of that. The second one is apparently, um, I actually haven't been asked this question, but apparently if you're teaching peers or you're working a lot with kids and you're focusing on making friends, a common question we might get is, should my kids be friends with other kids on the spectrum? The answer that the speaker shared was, it depends. And what I loved and the thing I really wanted to share with you guys, and I thought this was a great thing to be able to share with people, is that a diagnosis does not equal a common interest. So if you have diabetes and then you meet another person with diabetes, that's not a common interest and common interests are the foundation of friendship. It might be something you have in common, but it's not a common interest. So it just depends whether or not they have common interests. But the interesting part is that she did say that a child's or a teen's prosody and uh, their style of speaking is a predictor of friendship choice. So oftentimes, teens on the spectrum might have a different prosody in the way that they're speaking. And the reason why they might end up more likely to be friends who also have that way of speaking, why is because 
we are more likely to be friends with people who are accepting of us and we're often accepting of people when we have that same thing in common. So I thought that was really interesting that it's not necessarily like the fact that they're only talking about themselves or anything like that. It's it's actually a common predictor of friendship choice is the way you speak. So I thought that was really um, interesting and I liked how she said diagnosis does not equal a common interest. Okay, my last question that she, um, we, we kind of, um, not we, <laughs> that she discussed and shared with us is that she said that people often say, and I've heard this one so many times and I don't always hear it. I don't hear it from like parents. I don't think I've ever heard from parents because parents know their children and they know that they feel empathy. And if anything, I find parents are trying to share with other people like, no, my child feels like empathy. They feel, they feel it. They feel bad if they do things like they do feel this. So it's not parents. It's like other people who aren't familiar with autism. They'll often say, did people on the spectrum feel empathy? And she said that the speaker said that there's two types of empathy. There's cognitive empathy, being able to label what they feel. And then there's effective empathy. So feeling what someone else is feeling. And she said that people on the spectrum struggle with the cognitive empathy. So labeling and talking about feelings can be really hard. So it might come across since they're not talking about feelings that they're not feeling it, but that's not the case. Really, they are feeling it. They're having a really hard time talking about it. That part is really challenging for them. So I think this is important to kind of differentiate in our minds. There's cognitive empathy, there's effective empathy, and it's not that they don't feel it, which is effective empathy. It's that they have a hard time labeling and really talking and diving into those feelings. So... I just thought these three pieces of information were really interesting and I and I wanted to make sure I covered these because they're unique to what Paulina had discussed so it's not too much like overlap or anything like that. I loved Peers. I really recommend it. It was so interesting. If you haven't listened to the podcast I did with Paulina, really, really recommend you listen to those two podcasts. If you want to leave a review, that would be awesome. Send me a screenshot. We can have a little conversation, answer any questions you might have. And I hope you guys have an awesome week. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you next Monday. Thank you.